what Jesus, when he was on earth, yes, he was under the Father's authority, but he had submitted himself to the religious authority, however corrupted they were, and also the governmental authority. That's why he said, pay to Caesar what is Caesar, pay to God what is God. And you remember one time, you know, when he was being persecuted at the end of his life, he was being slapped around, and his critics was, you know, just, 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 you know, just, just accusing him, and he give them no answer. But when the high priest says something, he responded. Why? Because he understood authority. So if you don't have, you don't find yourself having authority in anything you do, you know, you, in the name of Jesus till your face turn green, nothing happened, perhaps you are not under authority. Are you here? So quiet. It's, it's, really, it's really difficult for us North Americans to understand this concept because the narrative of the world is that you're your own man, just do whatever you want. You don't have to submit to nobody. Just, just, just be free, baby, be free. You know, democracy is the best system we have because men are very corrupted. Because kings can be corrupted, can chop people's heads off. And so to make sure that that doesn't happen to ordinary folks, human beings uh, had come up with this idea of democracy. And on top of that is more brains can, have, can, can, can get more ideas in bringing goodness to society. But democracy is not the best system in the universe. You want the best system? You read the Bible you understand how authority in the kingdom of God works. Faith in terms of authority. A lot of people don't grasp it. But if you grasp it, you operate in great, amazing authority of God. Now, Mark 11, 20, uh, chapter 11, 22 to 24 is my favorite scripture. Jesus said, have faith in God. Verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever say this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea, say to the mountain, you have to say something, right? And does not doubt in the heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it shall be done for him. Therefore I tell you too, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it shall be done. I preached this a million times in this church. I don't think I need to repeat it again. Go to Dwilla.tv and listen to this. But my point I'm trying to tell you is that have faith in God. Your faith in God can move mountains. You say, well, how big of a faith do we need? Well, go to the next scripture that I'm going to share with you. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say unto you, if you have faith of a grain of a mustard seed, that's how big of a faith you need. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. If you can move mountain with the mustard seed of faith, I, I believe my faith is bigger than a mustard seed. I know a lot of theologians try to say, oh, you know, mustard seed is really small, but it's actually really, really big, and whatever, right? But I'm just, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I'm going to take the word of God on face value. I have a small faith, and I can move mountain. And that's the kind of faith that God is looking for those who are willing to believe. Faith is important. This church is all about faith. Now watch this. I know all of us, all of us, at one time or another, we pray, but there's a little thing in us that's just holding back. 
And don't feel condemned of that. I'm going to share with you the next scripture, then you won't feel condemned. In Mark chapter 9, there was a father brought a, his son to, to Jesus' disciples. They couldn't do anything with him. He, he had epilepsy, and, and he would convulse, and he would get sick. And, and then the disciple couldn't do anything. And then, and then they brought it to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, after interview, that, that, that father, you know, what happened? And, and Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. And so here in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, and this is what that person responded to Jesus. And this is probably the prayer of many of us. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, do you have it? Okay, it says here, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help my unbelief. In other words, what he's saying is that, God, I, I want to believe as much as I can, but, you know, I, there's some doubt in me. And, you know, in the past, you'll hear people say, oh, see, that, that will be the problem. That's why you can't receive your healing. But in this case, Jesus responded by healing him. Why? Because there is something called grace. Listen to this. That always bridged the gap of what is necessary from what you are not, what, what you, the best you can do. That's what grace is, to bridge the gap. Your faith is here, and you, if your faith, you need the faith to be there. That's how God bridged the gap with his grace. It's the same as righteousness. We all fall short of the glory of the standard of God. Grace would bridge that gap between how short you are to what the standard of God is, and therefore you can now be called the righteousness of God. Are you here this morning? Amen. So grace, come on, let's keep praise the Lord. So Grace is always the bridge between what God demands and what you can do. In salvation, in righteousness, in healing, and in all kinds. If you always find your faith is fallen short, you pray this like this, this, this father prayed. Lord, I believe and that's why I'm here anyways. But I know I have doubt. You know why? It's because I don't want to, I just, I just, I just, I, because of my experiences in the past, or because I don't want to have too much high of an expectation and being let down, feeling betrayed. We all have that. And grace of God, His grace understands that. His grace understands your frailty. And His grace will reach out and give you that bridge to, to bridge you between His standard and what you can do. Now, let me say something else. When we talk about faith, a lot of Christians are confused between faith in miracles and faith in God. Okay? Especially when it comes to healings, comes to provision, miracles, signs, and wonders. Because we are so focused on our needs, the desire of our hearts, we have placed the faith on the power of God or what he can or cannot do instead of placing our faith in God. What's the difference? When you have faith in God, you don't really care what he will or will not do. You just believe that he can and he is good. 
regardless of what's going on, regardless of the outcome, and your mind will just play tricks on you saying, oh, you know, I don't know, I don't know, you're a fool, you know, I don't believe that, don't put yourself out there, you know. Your mind will play tricks and the people around you will play that tricks on you. But you and I, our faith must be strong and firm in, the, in God and His goodness. You see, the narrative of the world today in the movies and all the little statements and lines that you watch in movies and shows, they will try to knock off the goodness of God or the legitimacy of God or that God is good. They have lines like, if he cares, he would have done that. Which means they're trying to tell or subtly influence your thinking that God doesn't really care. He's really not that great of a God, even if he's there. Oh, they're trying to undermine your faith in the existence of God. Oh, God doesn't exist, you know. Like, if God exists, you know, he, He's probably too busy for us. Who are we but a little dust in a small little planet, you know. Who do you think you are, you know. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, human being, we have this problem. The whole universe evolves around us. Well, that is not true. See, those lines in the movies, in school, they subtly influencing us to not believe God is really not that great look at all the wars look at all the sufferings all these lines they're intended to knock our faith to eat away our confidence in number one who God is and number two how good he is but if you want to walk in the supernatural, you want to see healings, signs, and miracles, you need to come to the determination that whatever happened, I will still believe that number one, he's good, he's a, he's a God, number two, he's a good God. You remember the story that we shared with you, for some of you that weren't here, you know Daniel's, right? His friend uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered to the king. You know, the king said, I'm going to throw you in the fire if you don't worship my image. And they said, you know, God is going to protect us. He's going to come protect us. But even if he doesn't, we will still not yield about to you. And what that tells me is that they don't care what the outcome is. But their faith says, I will believe regardless. And the word of God in Hebrew says that a lot of the hero of faith, the hero of faith, they become hero of faith because they believed even when the results did not take place in their lifetime. Amen. Now, let me talk about sin and sickness. And then I'll clarify a little bit about it, okay? Now, Remember the four guys that brought a sick person to Jesus? They opened up the roof, let him down in Mark chapter 2. And uh, Jesus then, um, in front of all the people, Pharisees and all those judged people thing, people, you know, and Jesus say, um, your sin is forgiven. And then all the Pharisees like, oh, what's going on? You know, like, what's wrong with you? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can't forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. And so Jesus proceeded to say that I'd say this to you because number one is easier to do. Number two, is you, number two is that so you will know the Son of Man had the power to forgive. And so Jesus proceeded to tell him that you are healed. And Jesus said it was easier for me to say that you are forgiven 
than to tell you that you're healed shows that his sin, the unforgiveness of his sin, hinder him from receiving healing. While it's not entirely a universal case for everybody, but sitting in this room today, there are many people, or those who are watching, there are many people that have not received the healing is probably because of unforgiveness of sin. What does that mean? That means God had forgiven you, but you have not received his forgiveness. You feel like you're not worthy to receive his forgiveness. You're saying to us, or you're saying to God, God, I know I, I don't deserve it because I've just so messed up in my life. How could I ever have the right to come before your throne? That's a religious thinking, right? That's a religious thinking. I, I cannot be forgiven. I just, you know, if you knew, this guy on that, on that, on that mat, on that, whatever he was on, we don't know what he had done in his life for Jesus to have to go out of his way and say, your sin is forgiven you instead of saying, be healed. He probably had received his healing. He probably wouldn't even be sick if he knew he was forgiven. Many people don't feel they're forgiven because they don't believe the grace of God is that big. They've been told that, oh, if you know what I've done, then you know why I'm sick. Friends, may I remind you this, where there is sin, grace is much more abound. Can I have an agreement? When there is sin, grace is much more abound. You see, pastor, don't say that. People will think that you are giving them license to sin. I don't believe anybody would think that. Because if you've ever been in sin, if you ever experienced the consequence of sin, why would you want to be in it? I think human being is a lot smarter than we give them credit for. But I know a lot of people, they... They, you know, a lot of people sin not because they wake up in the morning and say, oh, you know, like, I'm going to decide to be a sinner. They, they sin because of pleasure, because of one desire, whatever. They don't go intentionally and say, God, I'm just going to take you off today. I, I, just, I just feel like it. No, that's not it. It's just because they, that's lust in them, burden, whatever, just whatever. And so this man, he needed to hear that your sin is forgiven. Some of you who are sick this morning... You need to hear that. You are forgiven. You say, Pastor Paul, who gave you the authority to forgive sin? Jesus did. When he rose from the dead in John, uh, in John you know, when he visited his, his disciples, he blew his spirit, you know, he said, whatsoever sin you've forgiven of others, it will be forgiven of them. Shandai, I take that as a promise of God because Jesus had forgiven all of our sin with what he's done. And we need to go out there and declare it to people. You are forgiven. 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 Your sin is forgiven. So rise and walk in Jesus' name. Don't live in condemnation. Don't live in guilt. Don't live in judgment. God is good all the time. Now, when I talk about sin and sickness, I'm sure a lot of theology will be out there saying, you see, it's all about sin. In John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, 
As Jesus was passing by, he saw men blind from birth. Do we have it? Okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm running out of time. And his disciples questioned him. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. So people are trying to relate sin to sickness. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin. It's not their sin, it's they haven't sinned. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> they have not sinned. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that works of God might be displayed in him. You know, I tell you all this sounds like there is a contradiction in everything I say. There's such a tension and confusion. I face that every single time as a pastor. I've seen people in this church heal of cancer, testimony of cancers being healed. And many of you have seen it with your own eyes. We, many of you come to this church because you received healing on the first day you were here. I've seen people being healed in this church. I've seen many people. And some of you heard the testimony of I pray for a, a, a brain-dead uh, pastor. We videotape it. The, the doctor declared that he died in Brampton Hospital. And after we pray for him, the next day he rose up and he asked for food. The family had to go to court to get a certification that he is not dead so that they could feed him food. That was pretty amazing. I've seen miracles in this church, and yet I buried my dad yesterday. Hello. <laughs> Listen, I believe God can. I believe God will. But even if he doesn't, I still believe. Amen. Amen. Listen, there are millions of reasons why a person get healed or not get healed. You know, we have a, a couple from this church, Alex and Imelda. They came from a church that they had a pastor who'd passed away of cancer. I remember when she first came to my office and talked to me about it, she was so determined and so strong. Oh, why? I'm going to be healed. And yet she passed away of cancer. And in, in, the, in the process, at one point, she said, I'm done fighting. I'm ready to go home. That's thing called personal will that God will not violate. You and I don't know what's going on in the mind and the hearts of the person that is contending for healing. There are millions of reasons in eternity we'll never know. And we have not given that revelation. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, What has been revealed to us belongs to us and our children. What has not belongs to God. Try to go to the domain of God. You're trying to violate things that are not meant to be violated. The best thing to do is obey, trust, and obey. You say, oh, it's so hard, you know, like I, I've been told, you know, if, if I can prove anything, I can have reason, then, then, then I, I, I can believe. If you have all the reason in the world, then you don't need to believe. That is not faith. 
It's like I said yes, last week, you know, some people say, Pastor, I'm too poor to tithe. Well, if you have enough money to tithe, then you don't need faith to tithe. That's not a faith thing anymore. The Word of God says that we have to do everything by faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the Word of God also says, let me close this and I'm going to talk about next step. He, only, he not only heals physical brokenness, he, he heals also the brokenness of the heart. This church, our assignment is to reach, to oppress the broken heart. And the people that are coming to this church, I always share with the people in this church that we are not to judge anyone. We have no right to judge anyone. If Jesus had forgiven you, who give you the right to judge anyone? So we don't judge why? Because in this city, in fact, in our nation, most people are walking around carrying some scars, regrets, brokenness. Some of those are not of their own doing. They may have been taken advantage of when they were young by other people. Rape, assaulted, whatever. Rob, Jesus is here to heal the broken heart. The Father in heaven is now here to start another religion. Jesus didn't come to start another religion. And that's why the religious people crucified him. You say it was the Romans. It was the religious people that handed Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified. In fact, the Word of God said the Romans didn't want to do it. It was the Jews who insisted. Not all Jews, the religious Jews. Most of the Jews at the time didn't even know what was going on. It was the religious Jews because Jesus was threatening their control, their power. A lot of religion would not want to hear this today. They want you to feel oppressed, feel sinful, feel not good enough so that they can control you. But I got good news for you today. If you come in broken, if you come in being scarred, you are ashamed of your past. I got good news for you. You are washed under the blood of Jesus. If you receive him, you are as good as new. And in his sight, you are righteous absolutely. Can I hear an amen? amen. Come on. So he is in a business to heal your broken heart. He's in a business to patch things up. He loves you so much. He wants you whole and well. Would you please stand? I got a couple of questions for, for you before I finish. Sitting here today, I don't know whether it's one or two individuals that you haven't given your heart to Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to give your heart to Jesus who would forgive your sin and heal your diseases. He's here in the restoration business. Church contained of all kinds of people that either had needed the grace of God or still need the grace of God. And those who had experienced the goodness and the grace of God to administer the good news of the grace of God. That's what this church is all about. This morning, if you say, Pastor Paul, I have not given my heart yet to Jesus. 
Yes, I follow the religion of Christianity, but I really haven't given my heart to Jesus. Whether you're Catholics, Protestants, or your parents go to some church or whatever, I want to give you the opportunity to establish a relationship with Jesus, not being part of this church. I'm not recruit. We're not. We don't even have membership program. We, you know, we're not in the business of recruiting members. We're here to tell you the good news so that your life can change, so that you can have a better life, a good life. Not only in this lifetime, because it's really short, but the promise of eternity, the promise to be in the presence of God, the promise to live well and fully eternally. This is your opportunity. You say, what do I have to do? It's very simple. The Word of God says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So I want to give you the opportunity to, to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. Maybe there's one or two here. And every eye's closed, every head's bowed. I'm going to count. I'm going to uh, I count to three. And at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. If, by, at the end of my, by, uh, by, by the time I finish three, raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. And then we'll pray for you. Don't be shy. Don't, don't, you know, Jesus said, if you confess me before my, the, the world, I'll confess you before the Father. What does it mean? It means that if you recognize me I'm in the world, I will recognize you at the presence of the Father. Why, why is that important? Because he's your advocate. He's the one who intercedes for you. He's the one who remembers you before the Father. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, Pastor Paul, I have not received Jesus as my personal Savior ever, but I want to do it today. Would you pray for me? And maybe there's some of you that have received Jesus as your personal Savior. Perhaps you walked away from your faith for a while, but you say, Pastor, you know, I, I don't think I'm worthy. I just, I just want you to pray for me. I, I believe what you say this morning, that God will forgive me or had already forgiven me. I, I, want, to, I want to start new again. If there's one or two, that'd be great. I want to give you the opportunity. So I'm going to count to three. And by the time I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. If you either, number one, receive Jesus as your personal Savior, or number two is to, is to get your faith restored before God. Okay? One, two, three. Raise your hand up. One person. Raise your hand. Anybody else? Upstairs in the balcony. Yes. Two. That's good. Anybody? Three? That's good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Now, this is what we're going to do together. And for those of you who raise your hands, I want you to pay attention to what I'm going to say. We're going to say a prayer together. Okay? We're going to say a prayer together. And we're going to ask Jesus. That's good. He came out here and prayed himself. That's glory to God. One of the prayer warriors come and just... Pray, Minister Gam. Now, we'll, we're going to say a prayer together. And then after that, I'm going to ask Pastor Marlies to come out. And she has a, a very special package for you to give you uh, for your next step, how, how you walk this new life. You're not joining this church. You're not doing anything. Come on, let's just give praise to the Lord this morning. Come on, let's give praise to God. Lord, we thank you for this soul. We thank you this saved. Hallelujah. Let's pray together, all of us. Heavenly Father, come on, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I give my heart to you. Dedicate my life to you. 
I want your forgiveness. I want to be righteous before you. But there's a big gap. That's why I'm crying out. Crying out to your grace. Knowing your grace is more than enough. Today I stand before you as I am. With all the mistakes, all the scars, all the struggles, I come to you as I am. I pray that you will give me your spirit. Forgive all my sin. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And give me a new spirit. Give me the experience of being born again. Jesus, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Not religion, not a church, not man, but I'll follow you. Come and lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give praise to God. If, if you have prayed a prayer, if you have prayed a prayer, even if you were not, did not raise your hand up, uh, Pastor Molly's coming out. I just want to show you her face. So she's responsible for all the pastoral care and all the follow-up. Maybe you stand up here so people can see. And uh, so she will be at the, where are you going to be at? The visitor table. And she will have a package for you. And come and get the package. And we'll have a lot of gifts to help you in your journey, in this faith journey. Okay, thank you very much. All right. I'm going to say a word of dismissal. Uh, the uh, prayer minister, can you please come out? We're just going to dismiss. And